On today's Phoenix Magazine podcast, we go on location to Oro Brewing Company in downtown Mesa. But first, I wanted to give you my reaction to last weekend's second annual Copper State Beer Fest. First of all, congrats to that team for a very fun event with more breweries and beers than anyone can try in an afternoon, even at a beer fest. Well done. Uh, some of my favorites that I got a sample uh, were from the newer breweries, to be honest. The uh, Wild Pale from Steel Cactus Brewing, really nicely done from those guys. Cool to talk to them. The Avocado Kolsch from Patton 139 Brewing, excited about that beer. Really looking forward to uh, having more of that. I also got uh, a, a few sips and smells uh, from my some of my friends that I went to that event with. Got the uh, they went to the Smelter Town tent, and I'm pretty sure if I remember right, it's a little fuzzy, but I think they had like some milkshake I, milkshake IPAs or milkshake beers, really really well done. Um, so kudos to those kind of new breweries. I got to try Prison Hill for the first time. Really excited about that one. Uh, they came all the way from from Yuma, so shout out to them, Prison Hill. Also uh, learned a, a new beer term, if you will, the Palatmavi. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, apparently, it's a Czech amber lager that I'd never heard of a Palatmavi. I guess uh, uh, Ren, Renhouse does one, but this one that I had um, was from Dark Sky Brewing. The name literally translates to Half Dark, and that's the name of the beer, so... Hopefully I'm saying that right. Half Dark from Dark Sky. Really fun beers, fun times meeting some new people out there at Copper State Beer Fest. But now to today's interview. Back to Oro. Uh, not, not the typical kind of beer review that we've been doing because we recorded this at 9, 8, 9 o'clock in the morning. So no beers were consumed. So less review, more of a catch up with Jesse and Dave, the um, Jesse Corpeter. Sorry, I say I always say that wrong. Jesse Court Peter, the head brewer over there, and David Valencia, the owner. Awesome chat with those guys. They uh, together they make up the 2022 Brewery of the Year as awarded last October at the Arizona Craft Beer Awards, presented by Phoenix Magazine, of course. The uh, uh, the guys at Oro they won ACBA Golds for the Fruit Wheat Beer with Trugo Suave. Sebastian's Porter won in the Porter Stout Amber category, and they're inside the park one for the Gold Blonde category. Uh, that is in addition to, I mean, just an amazing year for these guys. They won gold medal for Cafe Oro at GABF, and they also won a World Beer Cup uh, silver medal for Trigo. These guys had such a decorated 2022 calendar year, and they're coming for more in 2023. So we're here on location, Oro Brewing site, or home of uh, the Brewery of the Year, as determined by the Arizona Craft Beer Awards and Festival. Jesse and Dave, a brewer and owner, thanks for being here, guys. What does it mean to be the Brewery of the Year? And are you guys looking for a repeat in 23? <laughs> you want me to feel that one? <laughs> you can go first. That's fine. Uh, actually, it was a amazing honor. Um, we were super stoked to find out about it uh kind of amazed because we're just a little brewery in downtown mesa and to have that uh, award was just uh something else i mean it was like beyond what we've experienced ever 
I mean, you guys went, so to set people or to remind people, you guys went three for three, three entries, three gold medals. Um, you also had what? A silver medal at the World Beer Cup in 2022, a gold medal in the Great American Beer Fest. You got, can you guys keep track of all these awards right now? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was a crazy year last year. Um, yeah, I think the, the special one to us is still, I think, going to be the Arizona one. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, we, we, we just, you know, I have a lot of respect for a lot of the breweries and brewers and, you know, business owners and, you know, in this community and everything like that. And, um, you know, I, I, I thought we would do well. I didn't think it would be that well. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of crazy. It was an awesome night. Yeah, to be recognized among your, your peers like that and to have it as a blind test, you know, tasting and all that um, just... I mean, cements the fact that, you know, Jesse's been cranking out some really awesome brews. Yeah. And Jesse, do you feel pressure now? Like every brew you make, it's got to be like award winning or up to, do you, do you have a standard now that you, you're trying to reach with everything? Um, I'd, I'd be lying if I said, no, I don't feel any pressure, but, um, you put pressure on yourself, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not coming from Dave. He's not like, you know, get in there and make an award winning beer. No, right. Right. No, it's, it's definitely, you know, uh, you know, brewers pride themselves on their craft you know what i mean and to be constantly learning evolving adapting um is part of the gig you know what i mean um i honestly like if we don't win anything i don't care like i, I we use it as promotional i mean it's awesome to receive awards from things like that um because that's kind of what you know you strive to make great beer and to have it recognized is awesome but um you know it's 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 great for us because I think it's helping us build the the brand. You know what I mean? Build the business, and um, that's ultimately what's important, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll just we those are the three that we enter. We'll enter them again this year, and yeah, and see what happens. And yeah. that was uh, remind me that so there was what the blonde is that right? That was one of them. Yeah. So um, for the three for the Arizona awards, it was blonde. Uh, so our inside the park blonde ale. Um, our Trigo Suave, our Tangerine Wheat, and then um, Porter. Yeah, oh, Se yeah Sebastian's Porter. Porter. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was trying to remember the list here um, because you you went, you know, the three for three, and then, you know, Silver Medal was, I think, Oso, and, but they maybe had four or five awards that night. And then um, uh, Grand Avenue uh, Brewing had, I think, the Bronze for, for Brewery of the Year right. because they won two or three other categories too. And, yeah. Yeah. And I think technically Oso won, but I mean, I guess they split it into the different locations because different locations. Right. Right. In. So I think that's why ours got more points. But um, we were also short one uh, entry uh, due to a mishap <laughs> of mine. Uh, we were going to end our Cafe Oro uh, Coffee Blonde. And as I was stocking them in the cooler, the tray kind of shifted and they fell down and I crushed like about six cans. I wasn't going to admit that, but <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, man. So, so yeah, that's kind of so we could have been four for four. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> now, what yeah. was that? The guy who um, sat out the one day, then Lou Gehrig took over for him, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because uh, we did the same entries that we did for um, uh, GABF because it was right around the same time. Yeah. And Cafe Dioro was your gold medal at, at GABF. GABF. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So. 
Yeah. Eh, whatever. <laughs> so now that you have all these like awards and uh, acclaim and everything, um, is Oro Brewery or Brewing still the best brewery that you've never heard of? Because <laughs> that was the story when you when we first met, maybe like two or three years ago. Um, that was kind of what you were going off of, and you kept telling people at, at beer festivals and stuff like that, like, "Oh, I've never heard of you guys." And is that still the case? We still have that on our website, and it technically still is the case. Uh, we have a loyal following; it's a small but very loyal following. And we have been seeing more new people coming in, but we still have people from right here, maybe a couple miles away in Mesa. Hey, how long have you guys been here? Oh, six years. What? How come I've never heard of you? So we're still working on that. But the awards and that and being able to use other outlets to promote ourselves, I think is finally starting to take hold a little bit. Yeah, I was telling uh, Dave before we started when I first came in that uh, out at Copper State Beer Fest this past weekend, I ran into uh, a guy who is very popular on Instagram around here. Uh, his name is Greg Visits Breweries. I don't know if you guys we know, know him. Greg. Yep. And he asked me, he was like, do you know of Oro's here? And I I said, I, I didn't think they were. I had just gotten there. I was kind of walking around, but the list did. I didn't think you guys were and you weren't. But um, that is kind of indicative, I think, of what you guys mean now to Phoenix area is that, man, I want to have an Oro beer. And have you guys kind of seen that on the rise in the last year? Now that you're winning all these awards, your, your, your name is out there. People know you now and like not just necessarily customers that might come in here that you've never seen, but maybe accounts or whatever. Are you, are you building new kind of relationships with like bars or bottle shops, stuff like that, that want your product? Um, we have probably, I'd say, but maybe five to seven kind of like really good solid accounts. Um, they don't always have us on tap, you know, uh, going through winters is our busy season and going into spring training. So we, we definitely have been working our butts off this last, you know, three, four months. I'd say ever since probably the news from GABF came out, um, just to try to stay ahead. You know what I mean? I kind of pride myself on having... Um, not running out and, you know, having 14 taps with five fermenters can be difficult at times. Yeah. You guys got to keep the brewery first and foremost, right? Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we're kind of, you know, we were just talking about this actually the other day that we're kind of in a position going into spring training that we do have a, a well-stocked cooler. We're actually getting another walk-in cooler um, here in the next month and a half or so um, to kind of help us because we also have to have a place to store it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um so yeah, I, I think that we're in a position to kind of take advantage of that. We've unfortunately have accounts that want, you know, coffee. We we don't sell coffee out of this door. Um, we just sell it here beyond our own taps. One, because it's just so popular. And two, blonde is also in our top three sellers too. So I mean, we brew a lot of blonde. It's probably the the beer that we brew the most, um, to keep up with both of those. Um but we also have people who ask about having blonde on and we've unfortunately have to say no at times. Um, and with other beers too, like, you know, a lot of people want the hazy IPA. So I think that we've been working to get into that position. Um, and now hopefully we won't have to tell people no. The great thing is, is that we don't have, we haven't necessarily had to go and knock on doors to sell yeah. beer, which I think is a very good position to be in. Um, 
So trying to take advantage of the people who have supported us come in our tap room and actually enjoyed our beer who want to have it at their bar. Um, it's kind of cool to, to build those relationships and um, kind of expand on them too. So. It's good to have kind of that, use that law of rarity or exclusivity, right? Like, yeah. Hey, if you want an oral beer, you got to come here. Yeah. Um, you, you, I might find it at Trevor's just to name yep. something mm-hmm. off the top of my head every now and then, but I, I know I can always get it here. Obviously. Right. Yeah. And we kind of, you know, we're trying to help build this community down here. And that's kind of important to us as well is not only coming into our business, but experiencing what is going on down here is also important to us. Yeah. What are what are some of the new things going in downtown? Obviously, BRI opened up uh, about a year or two ago. And then uh, is Petal House still going in? Do you guys know? As far as we know. Yeah. Yeah. Supposedly, I think they're maybe going to start construction near the end of this year now. Uh, it's been pushed back a couple of times. There was some changes earlier on, and then I think uh, they were also maybe having a supply constraint to be able to supply this place also. But we also have distillery coming in down the way. Uh, you know, we we talk about, we talk up downtown all the time. I mean, we have Espiritu, we have Tacos Chivas, we have Buckhorn Vintage, we have all these award-winning places or Best of Phoenix places, Chupacabra, Cider Corps. You can just keep naming them. So yeah, our thing, like Jesse said, to get them down here, experience our tap room and who we are and take a walk down the street and take in the rest of the downtown. Yeah. Last I checked what Chupacabra is now trying to open up the brewery in the desert Eagle space, right? When right. The, after they closed. And I think I saw uh, a post that a new arcade is going in yeah. down the street. Level one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's downtown Mesa. It's, it's going to, it's, it's a destination already. It's becoming more and more so with every new thing that, that comes in or kind of a revitalize of an old thing that, that might be down here. You know, Mesa Arts Center is bringing in big shows all the time. Yeah. Um, Nile theater is Mm -hmm. constantly booking acts there yeah and it's it's one of if not i think the most walkable downtowns oh absolutely in the phoenix metro area you know what i mean so um i think that people who haven't come down here before they're kind of like surprised um just the transformation i've seen since i got here you know what five years ago has been astounding you know what i mean seeing buildings fill in you know what i mean seeing apartments go up things like that um i think the you know downtown mesa association and you know mesa merchants visit mesa you know they're doing a a lot of good work down yeah and it sounds like they're um kind of the inspiration for a couple other downtowns like downtown glendale i think is kind of using their motto or their whatever model yeah whatever model that mesa is doing and they're they're attempting to now do the same thing over the next decade with um i, I you know we know uh, simple machine is going in in downtown glendale and that might just be the start of something that they've learned from watching you guys or watching downtown mesa or maybe learning some of the tricks of the trade yeah and i think that the thing that i really like about down here is that it's all very genuine um you don't have just a bunch of chain restaurants and stuff like that and um I think that's what also kind of makes it very special and unique as well. Well, if you know, if somebody's never been down here, how would you describe Oro Brewing to them? Authentic is the word that comes to mind. Um, you know, we have a very laid chill, uh, laid back chill, you know, tap room. Um, yeah. yeah. Authentic is what I would, the first word that comes to mind. Yeah, that was we just did a, a reel for the first time a little while ago and that was basically what i was keying on was authenticity i mean when you come here 
you meet the neighbors from the, the neighborhood here, people working in the different places here, uh, people working in our place or from the neighborhood. Um, you get solid beer, great conversation, uh, just genuine people. You know, that's a that's kind of a um, good irony there, because you, you said you did a reel about authenticity where reels are really like the most unauthentic thing there are. Right. <laughs> on social media, it's like yeah. they're they're mostly fake stuff. It's either a TikTok or, or something like that. And it's like, I don't believe that's <laughs> real. But, you know, I, I, I actually would believe that's real coming out of your mouth there. Dave, well, so. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so. Uh, I talked to Jesse about um, his start in brewing uh, when we did the issue back in, I think I came in here in July or something. That issue came out in mm -hmm. um, September and October. And you were saying how you got your start at obviously at Santan on an award winning team. And then you moved up to Wanderlust and you're doing and they do beers that kind of nobody else does really. So yeah. they, isn't that kind of strange that that's kind of an amalgamation of what you are doing now at Oro, like you're winning beer, you're, you're, you're winning awards and you're doing all these styles that really no one else in Phoenix is doing. You know, you look at your, at your tap list and it's like, you know, the, the, the tangerine wheat or uh, the English beers and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have an affinity for English beers and I, I'm glad that we get to produce them. Um, that's not just my particular go-to, but um, I like all different sorts of, it's just whatever mood I'm in, but, um, I mean, to do like Sebastian's Porter, you know, like a, a true London Brown Porter that nobody really does or wants to do anymore. Um, and then to win an award for it is really cool. Um, you know, we always have an ESB on, um, just kind of like a session beer right now we have an English mild on, um, which I think I've only seen two or three other breweries in the state do those. Um, is that the the old fashioned pub song? Is that what I'm looking at? That one's our um, our English style best bitter, but yeah. our, our Fiddler's Elbow is our English style mild. Okay, yeah. And for three point three percent, people are like, "Oh, that's kind of weird." Yeah, you, you don't know? see that hardly and, at, and, at all. And, and when they get it and it's dark, they're like, "What is this?" You know what I mean? So um, even one of our bartenders is like, "What style is that?" I was like, "It's an English mild." He's like, "Yeah, I know what style is that." And I was like, "It's <laughs> English mild." He's like, "I've never heard of that before," and I was like. Yeah, you don't see them very often. So, and I think for um, to have the freedom to do those things is very rare in this industry. Um, you know, I've talked to a couple of people who have moved around from different breweries, and um, one of the main reasons that they settle in where they're at currently is because they have that freedom to do sure. what what they want to do. And you know, obviously, it's not like I just tell Dave. Hey, this is what we're doing. You know, we'll, we'll <laughs> chat it out and say, you know, what are we missing up front? Um, we'll talk to our bartenders, you know, what are people asking for? Um, and just try to, I, I think that's a main thing too, that I had to learn <laughs> over yeah. time with this place is, um, you can't just pump out what you want and say, drink it. You know what I mean? You have to listen to your customer base. So, and you know, obviously sales numbers play into that. Um, and just seeing how how beers do and then just kind of saying yeah probably not going to brew that one again or man yeah definitely we'll, we'll brew that one again um we have let's say what we have 14 taps eight of them are um cores Four, six yeah. of them are rotational um two of the cores though are singularity which is our single hot pail so the hop changes from batch to batch 
And then our Sour Child um, series, that one changes from batch to batch as well with different fruits and stuff like that. So, yeah. I was going to ask, is that uh, more of a thing why other brewers don't do it, you think? Is that they don't have the freedom or maybe are the, like, the ingredients hard to come by or maybe they're just not seeing a demand? Um, I'd say that, you know, maybe not seeing a demand um, is probably plays into it. Um you know, I don't know. That's a tough question. I, I'd say that, you know, a lot of people feel like you have to go by, okay, we need, you know, these six styles. Those are the styles that you have to have and then just continue doing that. And they don't necessarily have, maybe not have the freedom or maybe just don't want to do stuff like that. I mean, I don't know. Um, I think that for us, we, we just try to have something for everybody. Um, and, you know, there's some beers up there that I don't care for, but I'll still you know, I'll still drink, obviously. Yeah, that was kind of the famous story that you told me is that's how Trigo Suave came up about yeah. right? your customers kind of asked for it. And you were like, ah, I don't really like that or choose that beer. And then you end up winning, you know, on the world stage for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it was. <laughs> is there what's the next beer that that'll be like that? What? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see this year. <laughs> um, yeah, that was it was it's ironic. And it took us forever to actually do even the hazy IPA. Yeah. Because we're like, oh, man, everybody's got a hazy. Everybody has one. Well, it, it for me, it was, you remember Brute IPA? Remember when that was a thing? Yeah, I don't think those are around for anymore, For like right? nine a months, month, sure. a year maybe. <laughs> and hazy IPAs are starting to gain traction around that time. And I'm like, oh, it's just the next Brute IPA. You know what I mean? So we, we don't play into the trends. Um it took us a while for some arm twisting for to brew a sour. Um, and ours is a little bit different. We don't kettle sour. Um, I particularly, and I've actually heard it from a lot of our customers that have ours, that it's very clean. Because um, to me, a lot of kettle sours, they have that like almost like stomach acid kind of flavor to them. And I just don't enjoy that. And it kind of gives me heartburn every time I have one. Um, so ours, we actually use a yeast that's, dare I say, genetically modified. Um, they basically you, you added, said it. They basically had a food enzyme. With air quotes, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they, they take, you know, traditional brewer's yeast and the, they added a food enzyme, which when it ferments the sugars, it basically will produce alcohol and CO2 like normal yeast, but it also produces lactic acid. So basically what you're doing is you're just making a clean beer, putting it into the fermenter. We don't have to tie up the brew system for three days or what have you to actually have, you know, lactobacillus eat away and, um, sour the wort. Um, so it's just like a regular brew day and we just add the yeast the same as we would for any other beer and, and just let it go. Um, the initial plan was to add fruit, um, just to give it some balance. But, uh, after the first one, you know, and, and I hadn't used this stuff before. And I have a, a friend that I went to brewing school with who has a brewery up in Portland. So I asked him about it because I'd done some research. I'm like, man, people keep asking for sours. And the equipment that we have isn't very conducive to doing a kettle sour. I don't really enjoy kettle sours and, and yada, yada, yada. So I was just chatting with him about it. And he's like, yeah, just give it a whirl and, you know, see what, see what it does for you. So I, uh, at the end of the, toward the end of the fermentation on the first batch that we did, I think we're on batch five, five or four, five or six. six. And yeah. you were talking about what the, the sour child yeah, series? Yeah, sour child yeah. series. Yeah. Um, at the end, I was like, this is so sour that it needs back sweetening. You know what I mean? Like it needs some fruit in there. So 
Yeah, it, it sells really well. It's about the middle of the pack. It's fun doing the different um, fruit combinations. Another fruit beer, but mm-hmm. it's always fun to jump up on top of a tank when you're purging it with CO2 and adding pulpy fruit to the top, getting splashed on you a little bit, splashing all yeah. over the bright tank and everything. Or uh, fruit that is like tomato paste. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did one with uh, passion fruit and guava for summertime. And I had never used guava before. And it was like 45 pounds of like tomato paste. Yeah. And we're just sitting there like, <laughs> we're like, what do we do? <laughs> you couldn't get it out of the container. Because you're going through into a funnel into like a two inch port opening, right? And you're bleeding CO2 so you don't get oxidation and everything. And you're just like, <laughs> we both looked at each other like, I don't know what to do next. <laughs> just squeeze it all out as much as we could. Are there are there YouTube videos that explain that? Because that's what I always go to if I need help, like YouTube University. editing my podcast yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, no, we. Uh, I went on the website that we ordered it from, and it said, you know, <laughs> definitely cut the whole corner off of the bag when you're going <laughs> to add it. And I was like, all right. So in the future, when we're doing a fruit that I haven't used before, we're going to definitely pay attention to that. <laughs> Adventures in Brewing here at Oro. I like that. Maybe that that could be the name of the beer um, the next time you guys, you know. Hey, that's right. The next hour. Yep. (laughs) Cut cut the corner off and be like, why why is the name that? (laughs) Um, So what's next for Oro? What do you guys have? What's what's 2023 look like for you guys? Um, Festivals, uh, more awards, that that sort of thing? We have getting ready for strong beer coming up uh, February. Yeah. So uh, we're getting some new marketing stuff together for that. Um, what do you guys like to uh, pour at Strong Beer? You've been out there before, right? Yeah. We normally do our two Strong Beers. Um, we always have brought a third kind of light beer. And we're kind of kicking around the idea of maybe bringing a third. But um, so, yeah, we do our nine, 10 percenters is what we bring out there. Um we always tend to have, like I said, the third one is like something that's lighter, you know, and people appreciate that. I think a lot of breweries like to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think last year we brought our, our dry hopped cream ale. And that was probably our best seller because it, I mean, it's February in Arizona. It tends to be, you know, 80 degrees, you know. Yeah. Last year, it was a warm one last yeah, year. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And we're excited for this one this year. It's in a really cool location, I think. Um you know, Salt River Fields. Yeah, the Salt River Fields location for Strong Beer, not out at Bell Bank Park anymore, at least this year. Um, and uh, there you go. I mean, I won't get asked if, if Oro is here at, at the next beer fest, right? Yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to do more of them. It was weird, you know, obviously with COVID and then coming out of that. Um, we're, we're actually getting approached by uh, some people to do festivals now that they actually pay you for the beer. I didn't even know those existed. <laughs> um, but the ones that we just, we've done in the past have been for the guild, you know, to support the guild. Yep. Um, and we just kind of just use that. Like, hey, could have made money off this keg, but we're giving it to them just to kind of help them. You know, that's their main driver of, of funding, obviously. And they're, all the work that they do is, you know, incredibly important for us. So... Um, you know, it's, it's worth it for us. Um, so yeah, probably do a couple festivals this year. Um, we did the sour and sweet last year. That one was Mm -hmm. actually really fun. That was was at the Clayton house in Scottsdale. Um, it was kind of cool because it was a little bit more exclusive. You know, there was like eight 
eight to 12. Yeah. I can't remember the exact it, number. Somewhere in there. I think, yeah, just under 13. Yeah. It was like a smaller, you know. Yeah. Uh, smaller beer fest. I think that um, was on the same day as our best of the Valley festival. I, so uh, I remember yeah, that. I well, we were kind of going up against that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, I mean, that one was fun. It was indoors in the summer. Um, it was a cool little venue. Um, very intimate kind of with the, uh, Face to face with people. And stuff yeah, like that. yeah. We have um, we have our dish fest coming up at uh, that same venue, Clayton mm-hmm. House in Scottsdale. That's in March. We um, so we yeah we know that venue well. It's 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 like you said, it's a little bit smaller, but there's some outdoor area, some indoor area. In August, obviously, you want to be indoors, so mm-hmm. it was nice nice to have indoor space there, right? Yeah. So yeah, some festivals this year. Um, same awards. Same awards that we'll, you know. we'll be entering. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any beers up there that like you think can win an award, but maybe you hold back because you like you've already kind of submitted what you know can win? Yeah, I mean we're we're still gonna we're still gonna enter Coffee Entry though because we really believe in those beers. They've always gotten good marks at at every you know um, uh, competition that we sent them into. So uh, those will be continual entries. Um, I think it's. It's funny too because you know someone mentioned the other day like oh you want to do different ones because you don't want to win for the same ones and I'm like kind of some kind of want that repeatability you know what I mean so that plays into your uh, into uh, the decision process for what you're going to enter um, there's a there's a couple up there that that I've been wanting to enter um, and we kind of use judges notes and stuff like that from GABF and world beer cup. Um, sometimes you just don't get the right round of judges and that happens. Um, so yeah. yeah. One of the things we kind of shied away from too, was putting something out there that wasn't always available here. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, a, a lot of, uh, that was one of the comments from Rob from the guild early on was that we had one with one of our beers. That's just a, a regular beer as opposed to a special one-off or, or seasonal or something like that. So people can cruise in here and get an award-winning beer almost any day of the week. Yeah. You guys aren't just creating beer specifically to enter into competitions, right? It's right. It's also to serve the customer that wants to be able to come in and be like, Oh, that I, I read about that. Or I saw that online. Uh, that one won an award at ACBA or GABF, whatever it is. And I'm, I got it in my hand now. Yeah, and that's that definitely plays a, a, a big factor into what we enter as well is is our core beers. Um, we'll throw a seasonal here in there every once in a while. Like obviously, Sebastian's Porter is a seasonal. Um, that one got really good scores last year at GBF. Um, made the medal round, so that one was pretty close. Um, I personally, I love that beer. Um, <laughs> And people are like, oh, you got to make it year round. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to end up with 14 year round beers. You know what I mean? And I don't, I don't want that to happen. You know, you got to keep some of that creative uh, outlet open for you as well. Um, so, yeah, we don't want to get too stagnant. No. Yeah. Got to change it up. You so. got to use that kind of uh, your model with what the dark sky model where they brew like 300 different beers a year. Like you don't want to go that far, no. but you want to be able to still have, you know, Trigo Suave is like always here but, and because people know that. Yeah. And I mean, Trigo always sold well, coffee always sold well, but man, since the metals, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's, we, we keep up with it. I think we've run out of coffee for a couple of days here and there. Um, but now we're, we just brewed blonde yesterday because I was like, got to keep on top of it. 
<laughs> yeah, whenever I bring in a group of friends and I get the award-winning beers here that that I see up on the menu, and they're like, and my friends are like, "What are you getting? You never drink that." I'm like, "You have to when you come here." Yeah, yeah, yeah and I if people love the coffee just because it it's so it it's so much. It I don't know. It's just like the essence of coffee. You know what I mean? And it's it's uh, you know not to name beer names or breweries or anything, but I think that a lot of the coffee beers you get are kind of sweet um, or they're dark. So when people get it and it's like this, you know, this, you know, yeah. amberish color, they're like, I ordered the coffee. beer. are like, yeah, it's a blonde though. So the, yeah, the color throws them, but then all they have to do is take like one sniff in that aroma and they're like, Oh my God, it smells just like a cup of coffee for sure. And yeah. it does. And it, and it, we have such a great relationship with village. Um, when we first, so backstory on that beer, we could do real quick. Um, it was think, what is village by the way oh village coffee roasters oh, okay so, yeah Where in are scottsdale. They they're in scottsdale mm-hmm. okay. yeah and that's who we get our coffee from um it is uh oh, why am i blanket el salvadorian el salvadorian mm-hmm. um coffee blend so um when we were first talking about doing something like that um we were kicking around ideas me dave and chuck um about what we wanted to do and they mentioned i was like coffee okay well, let's do like a stout or a porter and i think we were going into spring trading i think i had only been here since like the previous october maybe like five six months something like that and um they're like oh no we want to do a coffee blonde and i was like that's interesting <laughs> i was like cool yeah let's, let's do it so um we originally were doing it with poor joe and they i don't even know if they're still around i don't either um, they were doing some coffee out of Cider Corp before Cider Corp was even open, I think. And, um, so we're like, cool, you know, right across the street, downtown Mesa collaboration kind of thing. And, um, it kind of just got too much for him to try and keep up with the business and everything like that. So I, I don't think he's in, in town anymore, but, um, anyway, we, uh, had it for spring training. It was called first crack of the bat, you know, first crack of the bat opening, opening of baseball and everything like that. So, uh, we did that. It sold really well. Um, and then we just kind of went away from it. And I think maybe six, eight months later, however long it was. We did the Elevate Nepal one. Yeah. Oh, that's while. right. Yeah, yeah. We did the one with Elevate Nepal. Um, they're out of Flagstaff and they use Nepalese. Is that the right word? I think so. Nepal? Yeah. Um, coffee beans. And they use a portion of proceeds to help. You know, uh, yeah, they were building schools and building schools like and farming, thing, just stuff like that. So we did that with them for a while. And then um, we were just talking about maybe bringing it on full time. And I think we initially it was really important for us to work with a company that home that does their craft, right? That gets in raw beans, roast them themselves and to have it with someone who is local. So we approached maybe six coffee roasters um and they they were just all about it you know what i mean they were super pumped to do it actually came in with like a bunch of different types of coffee so they were freshly roasted freshly ground so we're smelling them all and at, and we just and eventually picked that one that we thought would pair the best with it um with the blondale so we've been brewing it with that ever since um it's awesome because we'll give them a, a ring. We're actually going to transfer some more on on uh, on Monday, this next Monday. Um, we'll give them a ring here in the next day or so. Already have. Already have. <laughs> He's on it. So, they, What is it about coffee that lends itself to brewing inside beer? 
I don't know. I mean, we all love coffee just by itself. But I think that with blonde, that blonde and that coffee together, it just brings out these notes of like, to me, it's like caramel and just like these really rich coffee notes. But you still have that balance of, you know, it finishes like a beer, you know, and. Yeah, it actually brings out notes of the coffee that you don't normally get. It's yeah. Very mm-hmm. interesting combination. Yeah. So we'll we'll give them a ring. They'll uh, they'll basically roast it the day before we need it, grind it the day we pick it up. And then it goes into, you know, hot water. We do a, a, a batch of uh, cold pressed coffee or cold brew coffee, whatever we're going to call it. Um, let that sit for three days and rack it on top of beer. So, I mean, it is super fresh. And I think that makes a world of difference for sure. I like you brought up the uh, spring training a couple times because every time I've come in here, I think uh, spring training has been canceled, <laughs> you know, like the last three seasons. Right. And yeah, I remember right. talking to Dave the first time I met him and he's just like, ah, we can't we can't win here. You know, spring training is getting canceled. And that that used to be such a big driver here in downtown Mesa. But I, that's probably not the case anymore. Right. Um, well, I mean, we'll see this year. It's still major, obviously, it, it but is, it's yeah. not like the most important month of the year, really. It, well, it it is. It's kind of like our Christmas still. Yeah, I mean, it, it, oh, okay. it should be if, sure. it, if it remains like it like it was. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that period of time pays for June, July, and August. You know, the slowest months out of the year. Um, so I don't. We'll see this year. I'm expecting it to be kind of nuts. Um, to be honest with Hoping. you, 2019 we had construction down here so i mean everything was open still sure but there was just we had barricades barricades and people just i mean we all like you look at something you're like i don't want to go down there like there's construction everywhere and it just looks like a mess so we had that in 19 20 we obviously had covid last year we had the lockout so, I mean, we still had what, a, what was it, like a week and a half? Yeah, two it was weeks, maybe like 10 days like or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it really and, didn't do anything. And we had some business that those days, but those are mostly people who are already in town um, because all the people who planned on traveling out here obviously changed their flights or changed their hotels and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, we'll see this year. This year, knock on wood, will hopefully be a full fledged actual spring training. We can see what it's like. I know. It'd be great. I'm excited for it because Oro is one of those places that you got to come to for spring training, um, you know, after the game. Because you guys you guys kind of have later hours, right? It's usually, uh, what, like a 3 o'clock opening during the week and 11. I, are you guys open at 11 or noon on the weekends? Uh, at noon. At noon, okay. Yeah. And we usually do expand our hours for spring training. So we'll open earlier and maybe stay open a little bit later. Sure. But um, yeah, we definitely uh, probably Tuesday through Friday will will be opening a lot earlier. Awesome, awesome. Uh, we'll get down here to downtown Mesa. Check out Aura Brewing if you haven't before. Jesse, Dave, thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you. I know you guys are busy on on brewing and everything, so I really appreciate you making time for me. Yeah, well, thank you for having us on. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Big thanks to Jesse and Dave for their time and the great beers that they make all year round. Go check them out on Main Street in downtown Mesa. They're right next to the Gus's Fried Chicken and Worth Takeaway. But uh, speaking of food, the second annual Dish Fest is right around the corner, March 5th at Clayton House in Scottsdale. Get your tickets at phoenixmag.com slash dishfest. That's phoenixmag.com slash dishfest. You can sample the best dishes from around the valley all under one roof. We'll also have an expanded beer garden, wine and spirit sampling, 
the VIP, if you choose to go that route, VIP ticket holders get in one hour early. That's at 11 o'clock on that day, March 5th. And you also have access to cocktails from Century Grand. We're looking to add more exclusive restaurants for VIP ticket holders. Stay tuned for details on that. In the meantime, tickets are at phoenixmag.com slash dishfest. Restaurants already booked this year include Tia Carmen, Weft and Warp, that's how you say it, North Italia, Black Sheep, Superstition Meadery, and Caldwell County Barbecue, just to name a few. Every week we're adding more of your favorites and some of the ones you never tried. So get your tickets today because the price will go up. The price will jump on February 5th. And the price will also go up the week of the event on March 5th. Tickets again, phoenixmag.com slash dishfest. And a big chunk of those proceeds from ticket sales benefit the Joy Bus, the charity diner here locally that provides meals to cancer patients. It's a wonderful charity that's growing to uh, this year to support more of those in need. And we love helping them out. And uh, owner Jennifer Carraway, good friend of good friend of the magazine, she'll be there once again to provide cooking demonstrations. And if it's a lot like last year, you're going to love it. Uh, she did street corn and chorizo last year at the first dish fest by far my favorite dish of the whole day you don't want to miss this once a year foodie event it's happening march 5th in scottsdale get your tickets today phoenixmag.com slash dish fest again phoenixmag.com slash dish fest well next week's beer review episode uh, i think we will be doing some beer drinking but it's on location out at kitsune we'll talk next week <music>